Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to today's episode of Caring Too Much, where we are going to delve into the wonders and mysteries of that final frontier. You, you know it, you see it every time you look up, space. Okay, so I'm super excited to talk about outer space because it was always my favorite. Uh, what what do they call them in in high school? Unit, fav- my favorite unit in science class. Oh, yes. Always, always the one I looked forward to every year. I uh, I remember it well. By which I mean. I, I can assume that we talked about space in my high school classes. Um, <laughs> well, I, I think not so. Yeah. Not, I mean, not so much high school, I guess. Cause I think that would have only been in grade nine science or grade 10 science, like in one of the two, but like every year in, in the previous every, like up until grade eight, it was like, there was usually a space unit and you'd, you'd get to learn, Oh, what order are the planets in Mercury, Venus, earth, Mars, you know, you, you go through, um, it's information that some of us still don't have. <laughs> well, we're gonna, we're gonna take it much further than just listing off the planets in the solar system. Um, and also I think in a more interesting direction, we're talking more specifically about not not just colonization, but like the use of space, human use of space. Mm-hmm. And what, what our future is going to be. Yeah, a lot of that in the news recently. Um, I, uh, I actually saw a headline just this morning that some satellites had been hit with a solar flare and fell out of the sky. I don't know, that might be happening. Uh, if uh, That's very possibly something that happened. Um, I'll be honest, I it's space isn't a topic that I like read news about every day. It's more something that once a month I check out like, hey, what's going on in space? Because it's not something that changes super, super fast. Um, and I mm-hmm. also don't think I've checked Twitter yet today. So maybe maybe <laughs> I'll log in later and find more about the satellites. But um, in any I mean, case, t- yeah, I that doesn't. The- I think the main thing that has been in the news about space is unfortunately uh, like all of the private sector. And it's basically like Elon Musk and whatever that other rich guy who has a rocket now. Um, (laughs) I don't even want to know his name. Um, It's unfortunately always about them because like, unfortunately, they're doing more interesting things than our publicly funded space agencies uh, or at least more flashy things. I will say. Yeah. And they, they um, probably have more highly paid PR teams. That is true. So we are going to do the unpaid PR role of NASA for a couple of minutes here, because I think that they are severely under hyping their current plans because I didn't realize, but I said when we were preparing for this episode, Alex, do you remember like when I first said like, Oh yeah, like they're trying to put, um, uh, like a permanent, like, like base on the moon by 2030. Right. Yes. I do recall. It's 2024. It's two years away and they haven't said anything about the mission being off target. Um, it's the, so what it is, it's called the NASA Artemis plan. Um, and you can find it if you just search up NASA Artemis or NASA moon, <laughs> it'll come up. 
Um, and it is like, like to me, that's so exciting because yeah, like, there's going to be scientists ex- like living on the moon soon. And the, the like, they, we don't is, talk about it. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that you, you, re- you read about that, you know, your science fiction society has a moon base. Uh, I never once contemplated the possibility that we would have a real life moon base until, until you told me about it. So no, and, this and is obviously, yeah, I don't want to like, you know, miss like be, mislead people. It's not like this is going to be like January 1st, 2024. There's going to be a hundred people living on the moon in a moon base. It's like, that's the first mission. Um, the, um, but it's, it's like, that's, that's a, that's a big deal. Like even the first bit of the, like, for example, the, um, what's it called? The international space station. Like when they first started having people in the international space station, it wasn't like they lived there as long as they're living there now. Like astronauts can stay up there for months. Now that the first astronauts who stayed in the international space station were hours, you know, at most days. Um, so like, I think it's just really cool to be like, it will be possible for like astronauts and like scientists to be studying on the moon and this gets that is the springboard for uh the the latter half of our or latter part of our podcast but um i just wanted to take a couple minutes there to because to hype up the nasa plans because i remember I want to say four or five years ago when they announced it, like they had a really cool flashy trailer, but then like nothing since really has been talked about. And maybe there will be some delays. I, you know, I can only imagine that I could see it being delayed by a year or two, especially because like, you know, timing for launching rockets is very specific math and all that. Um, But yeah, I think it's really exciting. And I'm really excited for that to be something to like live through. For sure. So aside from um, aside from the upcoming moon research facility, I have to admit I don't know a lot about what's going on in space. Um, so, David, I was wondering if you would be able to talk a little bit about you know what the what the current state of affairs is uh, with with regards to space technology and other things. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, those, those are NASA's, like, I would say that's probably that moon mission. The Artemis mission is probably their main thing. They've been developing the, uh, SLS rocket system, which is the new gigantic rocket that is meant to bring, uh, what's, what's the better way to say manned missions, staffed missions, peopled missions, whatever. Yeah, I like staffed missions. Missions with people on them, uh, to, to the moon and and to Mars. Um, I think it's called the shuttle launch system or something like that is what it stands for. Um, and so that, those are the main two things, uh, that NASA's like doing, obviously NASA's also doing tons of research at all times, but in terms of space discovery and exploration, um, unfortunately, like I said, most of it is being run by private companies these days. So even things that are NASA run missions like refueling or restocking the space station and things like that, most of that are satellites, lots of satellites. Um, most of that is being brought up by SpaceX rockets because they want opportunities to test their technology more and more, and they have the money to throw at it. Whereas NASA does not have the money to, first of all, be experimenting with rockets that 
are very likely to blow up for many iterations before they work properly. Um, so uh, just because of the way that we fund science, AKA don't fund science. Um, Cause at the end of the day, we have to remember that space exploration while mainstream sort of media and whatever talks about it a lot of the times in the which is the most interesting way to people about humans living in space most of the reason we explore space is to learn more about like science so we underfund science therefore nasa is underfunded so it really goes to private companies spacex being the main one uh, i believe the the one that jeff bezos does is blue origin I think that one they they've they've started launching some things, but it's mainly SpaceX. Um, and in, not to not to bring the U.S. Um, military industrial complex into well, this, but there definitely you can't not. <laughs> there definitely is a tendency to not not even with science um, with many different areas um, outsource to private contractors rather than doing things more um, in-house. And I mean, I don't have particular opinions with this as far as like who designs military uniforms goes, but when we're talking about major um, research institutions being passed over in favor of private for-profit contractors. I definitely do think it becomes a significant issue. Yeah. And I mean, it ultimately is a political issue. Like it's not something that's exciting, like to campaign on funding science, like that's a 20, 30 year payoff. Like we've seen, you know, the, anyway, that's, that's not really the point of this episode, but that, that could certainly could be its whole, a whole topic. Um, I think in terms of some of the things that are just in general going on with space, the, 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 the location we're currently at in space exploration, um, there's actually, there's something called, oh, I'm, I'll look at, I'm pretty sure it's called the, yeah. So it's something called the Kardashev scale. I didn't want to pronounce it wrong. Um, it was like, I'm going to call it the Kardashian scale or something. Um, and so the way, and it's, it's what measures like a, um, civilization's level of technological advancement. And there's, um, I'm 99% sure it's a five point scale. When you're looking at it galactically, we're not even at one, um, in terms of the ability to, um, you know, use the galaxy's resources. We can't, we can, we can't, we, we have one would be fully maximizing our own planet's resources. We can't do that. We're horribly inefficient. Um, but things that we have been able to do in terms of space exploration and at, you know, this point in our, you know, in the Kardashev scale is do things like send out mostly, uh, probes. So things that are just technology, just equipment. So, the furthest probes we've sent pretty far away. They've let, there's two active probes currently outside the solar system um, that are still transmitting usable data. Um, there are a few other probes that could come back online that have also left the solar system, but we're, you know, they're not, we're not holding our breath. Um, so there's something like the solar system, you know, it's it, there's so many levels to this like you know the solar system ends at pluto but it technically doesn't the solar system ends where the 
sun's gravitational pull no longer affects anything. So there's actually probes that are getting to that place. And there's theoretically a giant bubble of rocks that go all around that outer, you know, field in like circling us in a big sphere, but we can't prove they're there because rocks are not rocks where there's no light is impossible to sort of detect on, you know, with the equipment that we have. So that's super interesting. I had no idea. It's called the Oort cloud. It's the theorized Oort cloud because, um, so that that's one of the, next sort of steps that we're going to reach will be reaching outside of technically the actual bounds of our, our solar system. That's, I think the next, what I would say, big step, um, in terms of going further away and stuff. Um, also definitely the, the James Webb telescope that just launched everyone just probably heard about that. Um, it's a very, very big telescope that is orbiting million miles away from earth, um, in like a, a gravity neutral location between the earth and some other gravity, body, maybe the moon, I can't remember. Um, and so it's out there beyond the interference of like, you know, tons of things on earth so it can see further, it can see more, um, and there's less interference with things that we have to decipher through. So those are, those are sort of the, the furthest points we're at in terms of exploration. So we're, but we're not far. (laughs) Still, that's, uh, that's definitely further than I was aware we were at, which is, which is super cool. It's, it's very cool. It's, it's just like, I feel it's, it's very cool if we're talking about in reality, it's very far. Like we have come very far. However, in the area where most people live, which is science fiction, like thinking of like, Oh, in the near future, this is going to exist or, Oh, like hyperspace travel. Like we can't, we're not even close to talking about that kind of stuff yet. So it's like, it's this weird balance of what people think is futuristic. That is so, so far away, but we do have the ability to do, some really, really cool things. And we got there a lot faster than realistically should have been possible. So it is cool. So would, uh, would you be able to elaborate a little bit on why the like sci-fi future tech stuff is mm. so much further away than, uh, than it seems like we won't, we won't be moving to space anytime soon, but what are some of the concrete obstacles in the, in the path of that? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, the reason why there's such a difference is because it's so much cooler. What's <laughs> the things that are further away are so much cooler than the things like, you know, like there's nothing exciting about seeing light from millions of years ago to the average person. That's only going to excite a very small percentage of physicists on the planet. Um, in terms of what's stopping us, it's, it's mainly resources. We, we just don't have the ability to one we have the resources available to us but we do not have the ability to access them and there's uh physical reasons for that like you know like there we can't harness energy from the from the earth's core you know like geothermal is a little bit like that but it's you know like there's there's a lot of things that there are a lot of energy sources on earth that we're not 100% tapping even the the amount of light that hits earth from the sun we could power the earth a million times over if we captured uh 
even a, a small percent of that, uh, like solar energy and we're not doing all that. And so that's the main thing that's stopping us because uh, like launching rockets off of like, off of the, off of the earth costs like so much gas. Um, and gas is the only feasible way right now we have to, you know, power things, but in the future, you know, when you're looking at that sort of future technology, that's, that's not using pound, uh, like liters and liters, almost said pounds of fuel, liters and liters of fuel, right? Like it's, um, most likely to, to be at a point where we're living in space and can send up rockets into outer space, like getting in a car, that's not going to be like combustion engines. Cause that was the first engine we made. There's got to be more efficient ones out there. You know, like it's, it's just that sense of thinking of it. Like there's no way that this is the level we're at to be able to jump. Like it's a huge jump. It's not as simple as getting in a car. It is so much different. <laughs> so, so much harder. So even if conventional fuels are the most energy dense, um, like efficient source of energy that we have for, for space travel right now, um, it'll be like an order of magnitude above that, that, that we would need to even start thinking about it. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, I, I think just in my head, like I, this is not necessarily based off of like a paper that's written or anything like that, but just if, if, if it's going to be as easy as driving a car, as, like launching into space is going to be as easy as driving a car. Think of how much gas it takes to get into space. That isn't possible. Like we don't have those, that amount of fuel to, for it to be a regular thing. So we're going to need to invent something that's, that's more efficient. But I also think that the other side of it is not focusing solely on, uh, it being some sort of thing like, oh, everyone's going to have their own personal rocket that launches off the earth. One of the cool things about the NASA moon base is that it will hopefully set up launching things off the moon is way more efficient because there's so much less gravity. It requires way less fuel. So something like that, or using things like gravity assisted launches or gravity assisted sort of, there's these things that are called like space hooks that would use gravity to fling things probably not as good with human cargo, but, uh, or human passengers, not cargo. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, could be used to transport resources very easily. So I think there's, there's just so many things that we haven't really even started developing that are going to be needed. Cause we're going to need all of it at the end of the day, if we're going to be going between earth and Mars is going to be the same as going between Canada and the UK or something like that. We can't just, you know, there's a lot that needs to be set up before we're anywhere close to that being a reality. So right now I think space is for science, for discoveries and exploration, but it's not for, not for us to live in. We're just not there. Yeah, that, uh, that makes a great deal of sense. And I guess we can see, even though our rate of progression in some areas of technology has been like really, really fast over the last few decades, um, just in terms of comparing where we are now to where we were. Um, yeah, this is this is at the point of, it sounds like needing to completely reconceptualize how we are approaching some of these problems. Well, yeah, because like crossing space is like, it's not comparable to 
walking to your friend's place, driving to the store or, or flying across the world. Like it's, it's just not comparable. It's honestly, the thing it is most comparable to is underwater exploration. If anything on earth, that's probably where some of the most relevant, like, you know, breakthroughs in one would be a breakthrough in the other kind of thing that there's nothing else that we're really doing that like you're not supposed to live in space space is very much set up for us to die in like it, it wants you to die at every second i think what what's have you seen the that marsh martian the matt damon movie i read the book okay so at the end like when he gives the class like the the like epilogue or whatever where he gives the class to like the new recruits or whatever at nasa and he says like the thing you have to keep in mind is that space is trying to kill you at every second like that that is the reality right like we are fighting against what the universe wants to 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 do this so it's it's there's there's just so much that we don't have yet that 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 will allow us to to be able to survive that but i i'm kind of curious what's what's like one one sort of like future technology that like involves space that you are like, I mean, obviously at this point in your life are not thinking like, Oh, that'll be a possibility. But at some point was like, Oh, that could be something I grow up to experience. Like one, one thing that always really captured my imagination um, was light speed travel. Mm which you know the the more i grew up and so cool. learned things about it seems it seems more and more out of reach but you know as a as a youth thinking about like protons do it why can't we um <laughs> that's the spirit <laughs> no yeah, that's that's like definitely a cool one it's it's the closest that you can get to teleporting basically right so yeah yeah and I mean, even even if we aren't going to travel at light speed anytime soon, if ever, um, at sound speeds like Mach, whatever, um, even even seeing some um, pop science dissemination of results from 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 things in that area where like clocks will go out of sync if one is traveling sufficiently faster than the other it's it's super interesting on a quantum physics kind of level even even if i can't scratch the surface of actually understanding it all of that stuff where you start to talk about like how time like time isn't real but like it really isn't real. Like, it's not just something we made up. It's something that can change. It's not universal. That's, that stuff's trippy. I, and I also don't understand it. So we're not going to, we're not going to go into that because that would be uh, two people guessing at nothing. <laughs> um, but, but more, more concretely, something that I've been interested in more recently is, um, is the idea of resource extraction from asteroids, you know, with mining being hugely destructive on earth um, and, and often destroying not only ecosystems, but the, the territories of people who you know, live on, on, on or around the land that's being mined. Uh, I think it could be a 
kind of neat solution to the problem if we were able to get resources from from asteroids. Is that a real possibility, David? Yeah, no, that's that's I think one of the like the reality is capitalism's here and I, like you know i wish i didn't see another possibility i wish i i wish i saw other possibilities but i don't think it's going away anytime fast at least okay, worldwide you have me like for that. i uh, yeah. i think it's going to go away but i think it will go away but i don't think fast enough <laughs> um and yeah so i think that this is something that will motivate companies and like private like things to do something like put money towards research and advance you know humanity whatever um for a selfish money motivated goal of extracting minerals and stuff but the other reality is we do need minerals we do need resources that can be found on asteroids um and there is a limited amount on earth. So even if we're not talking about from a money perspective in the more distant future, when we've completely tapped out of, you know, some of the earth's resources, it will be, you know, if we haven't completely destroyed the earth because of climate change, um, I think it'll be necessary to be catching asteroids. And, And so what would happen is asteroids that are coming near earth or when earth is as close to Mars as possible, stealing asteroids from, like taking it from the asteroid belt into Mars and then taking it from Mars to earth, you know, something along those lines. Um, or it, even better, if we've established a base on Mars by this point, you know, then it could just be done straight from there. Um, definitely things that can be done. Um, and because of like, you know, orbits, like you, you can, you can nudge something essentially and it'll change, like it'll propel itself. Cause everything is, you know, essentially tumbling through space right Mm -hmm. so you don't have the issue of like friction slowing down things movement right that's a major one um but also just like it's it's not like the object isn't still right so it's already got so like it's traveling i forget the number what whatever the number but i think it's hundreds of thousands kilometers per second is how fast the earth moves pretty fast in in terms of just through general space um because also keeping in mind not only is the asteroid orbiting whatever planet it's stuck around, the sun is also moving through space. So everything, you know, it's, things are going very fast. We're moving pretty fast right now. Shout out to uh, the atmosphere for keeping us safe from all of that. <laughs> Since day one, been the real, been the real one. Um, but yeah, so so definitely that's something that I think is both would have hopefully some mitigating factors on the damages of, like you said, basically, you know, capitalism on the earth, um, ruining communities, ruining the environment, et cetera. Um, however, I'm sure there would be things that we would, you know, unforeseen side effects of, you know, putting an asteroid into orbit around the earth and stuff. So definitely it's not like it's a foolproof, oh, that's so easy. That's just going to, be done i'm sure there's 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 repercussions to to doing things like that Um, also also depends on if you know there's 
happens to be life on on some asteroid that's you know some micro whatever introducing something like that to earth very 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 tiny possibility but possibility um so you know lots of lots of things to keep in mind but it's definitely i think it's something that could happen in our lives lifetime where we're getting resources from asteroids yeah and i mean i i i have to say if we have to live through another um global pandemic cataclysmic event uh yeah knock on knock on wood but if we do i think it would be much more interesting for it to come from space than you know i will give you that that would be way cooler yeah way way cool even less precedented <laughs> How about it would that? also be like all of our failures at attempting to control it would be easy to put blame on oh well it's an outer space virus we didn't stand a chance whereas we know we stood a chance against this one yeah exactly <laughs> uh, anyway strict strict no covid talk if the topic isn't covid okay um back to outer space where covid doesn't exist um so you mentioned um you mentioned unforeseen consequences of putting asteroids into orbit around our planet and that made me think of the the sheer number of things that are in orbit currently or which are planned to be in orbit over the next um you know couple years couple decades however long uh, and as i understand it there are some inherent problems with having lots of things orbiting our planet is that right um so I wouldn't say there's an inherent problem with having a lot of things orbit the planet. Um, the problem becomes the dying things that are orbiting the planet, right? So if we have like, you know, we're going to, we're going to keep launching satellites. People want faster and faster connections to everything. We're going to keep launching satellites. The problem is the ones that die and stay in orbit. It takes a lot of math to figure out the trajectory of a, object that you no longer control right because you have to base it back on the last known trajectory and you don't know if it's other things have you know intervened with it so it's it's almost impossible to predict with certainty where all these dead objects are flying around and so the problem is in the very very unlikely event that you're launching something off of the earth and one of those dead satellites knocks right into the side of your rocket ship don't know what would happen because it hasn't yet, but I can't imagine it would be good. Rockets are pretty delicate in the takeoff process, like a little bit of headwind and they blow up. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound like a, a good situation to be introducing more uh, fast moving variables into. One of the one of the more interesting things, though, that I found in my research for this episode, though, did you know do you know what's happening to the International Space Station in the next 10 years? I have no idea what's happening to the International Space Station this year, let alone. Uh, well, it is being crashed into the Pacific Ocean in 2030. Oh, that, uh, that, that sounds kind of dramatic. Yeah, so it's Point Nemo in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It is the point furthest from any land um, on Earth. Uh, it's where most controlled satellite crashes are when they're brought down from orbit before they die. Um, and yeah, so the International Space 
station is reaching the end of its life. Um, and I also think that it was designed at a time where um, it just so long ago that they couldn't have foreseen the things that they would need it for now and whatever. Um, and there's probably just some, I would, I would imagine like foundational things about it that would be too hard to upgrade and change. So they're, they're, they, it's better to start a new space station. And what I believe is happening is there will be multiple space stations. So I think there will be a NASA space station. I think there will be a European space agency space station. Um, and I guarantee you those space stations will be compatible with each other and can team up at times. And then there's going to be a Chinese Russian space station. Um, so that's kind of the, in terms of things, number of things orbiting around the planet, I think in the next couple of years, we're going to start to see the, the period of multiple space stations, which to me is very cool. Very cool. Absolutely. Um, and actually thinking of crashing orbiting bodies into the ocean, um, reminds me of what you said about space travel and, um, and marine travel being in some ways um, comparable. And I don't know, it's just super cool to think that at some point someone might be exploring the ocean um, and find a, a whole big pile of space stations and things like that. Well, like I said, it is in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, so I don't think someone would happen upon it. Uh, but I do think it would be a very cool opportunity in the future for specific like tours of the space graveyard at the bottom of the ocean sort of thing. Like I could That's see, true. I could see like the first underwater hotel or something being like opened up. Well, actually, no, not the first. Cause it'll be, it would be really deep. Maybe a hotel on the surface floating on the surface that you can take diving trips down to sea. Cause there's, uh, there was something like I can't remember if it was just the ones that NASA had crashed or worldwide, but it was something like there's 20 satellites down there already. And then like the space station is the size of a football field. Yeah. So that it would be pretty cool. Yeah. Or even, I mean, like worst case, if, uh, if something happens and we go extinct or like we lose all of our accumulated cultural knowledge and eventually however long in the future someone's like mapping the ocean floor for what they think is the first time and they're like what what is all of this uh, like that could be cool yeah that's Evidence. the kind of thing you see in like fiction at see that would i think that would be, i think it would be cooler to be the second round of humans to inhabit the earth after the first after our generation or our our iteration kills off the earth in climate change but um i mean if you know Fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah, if. Um, oh, there was something I was going to say about uh, Point Nemo. I can't remember now. Um, it's very deep but yeah. and very, very far from things. Those are, yes, true facts. Um, also, did you know that it's named after popular Disney character Nemo? Your, your, your popular Disney character, Nemo, not uh, Captain Nemo of the Nautilus? No, it is named after the clownfish Nemo. This is 100%. No, I have no, I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not. I'm pretty sure it's 
Well, like, I mean, oh, man, Nemo almost... the clownfish is named after. So, like, yeah. you know, at what point do you say he's named after? I, you, I think, you though, almost, it's... You um, almost triggered an existential crisis in me there, David. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if it is actually called Point Nemo, because, like, oh, people will get that. Because Nemo the fish. <laughs> yeah, I guess, uh, I guess. I guess we'll never be able to say. This is unknowable information. But, it's um, not something we could look up. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I think the, I think just it, it's, it, I think we're at an interesting point in space, like, you know, in the progress of exploring and, you know, becoming a civilization that can live in space. Um, I, we're at an interesting point where we've imagined a lot further than we're going. Um, because I don't think we have the ability to comprehend just how far the gap is between living on earth and living easily in space. Like it's, it's very, very difficult. And so I think because we know that it's our next step, we think it's going to be just as easy as all the previous steps. Like, Oh, this will be just like making a train engine. No, <laughs> this is, this is reinventing the wheel. That's, that's what we really have to do. But there's really cool things happening. Like it's not, it's not like, I think we have to view it as a lot of steps along the way. Like the research, like 2024, two years away, we're going to have astronauts on the moon. That hasn't happened in a long time. That's exciting. And they'll be able to hopefully at some point stay on the moon for, for longer than anyone, not only longer than anyone has, but longer than I'm sure they imagined would be possible when they were first trying to send astronauts to the moon which is amazing. Yeah, no, I mean, we're going from being able to put a uh, flag on the moon to getting people living there. It's, it's a big, big strides in, in pretty short amounts of time. So, so yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. What I'm really taking away from this is that although like Star Trek isn't going to happen <laughs> next week, um, we have, we have been making some incredible progress. And even if it's not very well publicized, there's amazing stuff going on and like lots of new horizons being broached in, um, in space exploration and generally like the, the science of space. So it's not, it's not that we've plateaued. It's just that there's a long way to go, but we're, we're still, we're still making progress and we're still doing very, very exciting new things. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, that's a very accurate assessment of the situation. Like it's, it's not as fancy as we've imagined it or, or as, as shiny as we've imagined it to be, but it is, it is, it is still pretty cool. And it'll also be, a lot of, I think there'll be a lot of cool moments that people our age live through in terms of space exploration and stuff. I, uh, I can't wait to see some of those moments starting with 2024 moon base. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and NASA specifically, I was just trying to find when, like, if there was a date in here for like when they're going to be permanently on the moon and I can't find it. It's like a 74 page document. Um, but I just realized they did specifically go out of their way to say when Artemis three lands, the first woman and next man on the moon. 
<laughs> I was like, wow, okay. Don't don't brag about that. <laughs> it's not not <laughs> I love bragging about diversity in 2024. It's like, oh, the first, first woman to do uh, something. First girl boss on the moon. <sighs> Thank God that the future we have to look forward to. And with that, <laughs> that's the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to uh, this girl bosses on the moon episode. Um, next week, Gerboss is on Mars, more likely than you think. <laughs> and hopefully, uh, you are just as excited as we are about all the very, very cool things to come in the future. Yes, and let's fund more science. I've uh, I've been Alexandra, and joining me has been David. This has been caring too much. Your favorite podcast. <laughs>